Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. Already? John chapter 14 uh, says this, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be there also. Notice there's a difference between the place he prepares and then the place we'll ultimately be, which is interesting because a lot of times we say, oh, we're, we're going we're to have a mansion in heaven but a lot of scholars in, in throughout church history was that was the place that will be present with the Lord until he comes again and we're all risen from the dead. How many know that our eternal design and eternal destiny is not a disembodied uh, spirit in, in the realm of heaven, but we'll actually have a glorified body that is both physical and heavenly right here on a new heaven and new earth. Come on, somebody. How many are looking forward to a new physical body? Without aches and pains. Woo, glory to God. Come on, somebody. But I, I feel like it's important. I lay this foundation just for a moment because Jesus is talking about the Father. He's talking about, you know, uh, like what's coming. And he says, but I want you to be where I am. And, and a lot of times we, we don't see the difference there that Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And, and some uh, will teach this and, and kind of expound that it's, it was almost like saying that there's going to be like a, a temporary uh, five-star heavenly hotel room that you're going to be in until the Lord comes again and we're all, ri- come on, the dead in Christ will rise first. How many, do you guys still believe in the second coming of Jesus? Some of you forgot about it until the last two years, right? It's like, oh, wait a minute, he actually is coming again. Um, it's important that we understand, though, that our, our, uh, our, the eternity that God has for us is not a bodiless eternity with just some spirit floating around with naked babies, those little angels, you know. That, that is not a biblical picture. Our hope, our Christian hope, is the final resurrection our Christian hope is that we are ri- risen with Him with uh, eternal bodies, and so this is what Jesus is talking about. But then he says, uh, he goes on and he says, uh, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. So he tells him, he's like, and where I'm going, you know, and then you also know the way. And then Thomas, how many love Thomas? How many Thomases do we got in the house? <laughs> Analytical, come on, doubting Thomas. You see it in the end of the Gospel of John here. He says, like, no, I've got to see it. Lord, I'm, I'm going to put my fingers in your side. That's nasty, bro. I don't know what he was thinking. Like, I'm going to, the hole in his side. But he was like, I've got to see it. And he's a scientist. And, and Thomas, the analytical voice here, and I want to talk about these voices and these things uh, that, that happen in our Christianity that sometimes complicate what this is all about. And Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going and, 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 how, and how can we know the way? And then here's the very famous verse. Everybody knows John 14, 6. Come on, somebody. John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way. Say it out loud. Come on. The truth and the life. 
Let's try it again because we were all off rhythm there. Y'all, y'all couldn't follow me. Let's try it again. Ready? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, a lot of times you'll look at this verse and you could tie it to Acts 4.12, no other name given under, under heaven by which we can be saved. And how many believe that Jesus, of course, is the only way to salvation? He is salvation. But this verse is not saying that I'm the only way to heaven. It's not what he's saying. He's saying I'm the only way to the Father. Thomas is like, show us the way. He's like, you're looking at the way. Now, did you know the tabernacle in the Old Testament was known as the way, the truth, and the life? The way was the entrance to the tabernacle. The truth was the holy place, and the holy of holies was the life. Jesus was saying something here. Can you imagine the the listeners? He just said he was the tabernacle. He just said he was heaven on earth. What in the world? Show us the way. Jesus is like, you're looking at the way. The analytical voice, show us the way. The way is a person. He wanted a method. He wanted... He wanted it broken down. He wanted three points in a poem. Come on, somebody. Nothing wrong with that. He wanted like seven keys to accessing the kingdom. Hello? Think of all the sermons we've heard over the years. As great as they are, sometimes it's just us trying to produce a method, a way, when the way is a person. His name is Jesus. Truth is a person. The way, the truth, and the life is a picture of the tabernacle. Beautiful. So you have this analytical voice, this Thomas voice, trying to complicate it like we do. And sometimes we fall on one side or the other. And we need, we need people, we need to be able to reason. Reason, God gives us the ability to reason. We don't discard the intellect, right? God, God made the mind. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. We renew our minds. We're not like thoughtless people. That's, that's silly. Like, well, well I, don't, I don't need to reason. I just, you know, I just listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, that's just stupid. That doesn't even make any sense. Like, the Holy Spirit helps you think. Hello? But how many know we can overthink sometimes? And we overthink Christianity. We overthink our lives. We overthink our salvation. We overthink everything. We overthink our relationships. We overthink what's happening in the world. We overthink politics. Come on, somebody. We overthink everything, and we complicate life. It's the Thomas mentality, right? The doubts, the disbelief. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But one point before I continue, I want to just say this, that Jesus didn't say, I'm the only way to heaven, guys. Well, that is true. And that's found in the Bible. But this verse doesn't really say that exact thing. It says that through me, you get to the Father. I'm the way to the Father, Now, the Scripture does say in John 17, 3, that this is eternal life to know the Father and to know the Son. So eternal life is really about communion with the Father and knowing the Father and the Son. Well, I want to go to heaven and get my mansion. and That's not what heaven's about. Heaven's about knowing the Father and the Son. We make it about other things. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Again, Historically, that, that's in, in, a, in the mind of a, a, a Jewish person. They're like, 
this is, he's talking about the tabernacle. Jesus is saying he's heaven on earth. He is the way. So, so powerful. So rich. Verse 7. If you'd known me, you would also know my father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Wow. And then Philip. Gotta love Philip. And if your name's Philip, this isn't about you. But <laughs> Philip, the word Philip means lover of horses. Praise God. I like horses. We were in a little town yesterday passing through and there's park rangers on horses. You just don't see that anymore. I love that. But Philip, I love what Philip says here. Verse 8, show us the Father and it will be sufficient for us. Philip, he's the creative. Come on, somebody. He's the worship community, basically. All the Philips. No, I'm kidding. Did you hear what Jesus just said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And then Philip's like, show us the Father. See, sometimes we're analytical about stuff and we overthink. Sometimes we're so creative, we miss the creator. Because we've complicated life. And we've complicated what it's about the lover of horses. I, I would like to elaborate more on that, but I won't. I could. I could do a little dance up here. I could ask Glenda for some ribbons, and I could be a lover of horses. And, but how many know sometimes in our creativity, we attempt to make methods out of things? I remember as an early Christian, I, um, I was born again at the age of 17. I was raised Catholic. I didn't know the Lord. I had a kind of a reverence for God, but he was scary and he looked like Zeus and he was far and I didn't know him. And at any point he could have just zapped me. Uh, and then I met Jesus and Jesus revealed his father to me and it transformed my life. I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I loved the power of God. I loved the Holy Spirit. I loved encountering him. I just remember early on in my Christianity, the simplicity of just talking to Jesus. I had a little picture of Jesus on my wall. I listened to, I didn't even know there was such a thing as Christian radio. Come on, thank God for Christian radio, even though sometimes it's just not very good. Thank God for baby Christians. Like, you know, and, and worship the worship, man. I just remember putting on, it was back then, it was a tape. It wasn't an eight track. I'm not that old. And I put the tape in. I was just worshiping. There was just a simple way. And then I started learning like Hebrew words, and I was, man, I was doing word studies. Someone bought me a Strong's Concordance. Who still has an actual Strong's Concordance? You know, you can do it all online now. You don't need that. You have a whole library full of stuff digitally. And, and I remember I looked up, this is funny, I looked up the word altar in Hebrew, and I rewrote it on a piece of paper perfectly. I had, it had to be perfect, right? I was being very creative, and God was gonna, and I was going to make an altar in my room because when I went to church, I would go to the altar and I would get touched by the power of God. And I wanted that in my room. Hello, are you all with me this morning? So I was hungry. And I remember I, I did a little, I found these little boxes, these little white wooden boxes, and, and I put some anointing oil on there and a little pretty cloth on it. And then I had the Hebrew word for altar right over there. 
And it was like, and I like, I mean, you know, there's different church streams that uh, have a lot of these things where it's like, if you don't have a shofar playing in your church, you're not anointed or whatever. Like, you know, there's, people think this way and we, right, we complicate it. But this little altar was anointed, man. I'm going to tell you right now, we would go to church and then we come home, me and my friends, and we're like, all right, let's have an altar call. Who wants to get filled with the Holy Ghost? Everybody's already filled with the Holy Ghost. We just want, who wants a fresh anointing? I do. Come on, somebody. This is a true story. I'm not making this up. I was 18 years old, long hair, skater, stoner, gangster kid, got radically born again, delivered from drugs and alcohol, and now I'm addicted to the Holy Spirit. I'm addicted to Jesus. I built an altar in my room. I'm trying to convey something here. It was the creativity in me, and I'm and, and like, all right, who wants a fresh anointing? I always want a fresh anointing, man. I go to church. I didn't care what the altar call was. I was so hungry. I'm there. I'm on the altar, man. And I get prayed over, bam, and I'm crying for 30 minutes. And that was just my life. I didn't care. Somebody in the room is trying to get pregnant. I'm like, I'm trying to get pregnant with destiny. I'll run up there and get prayer. Come on, I'm the only guy up there. I don't care what you have to say. I'm hungry for the things of God. Now, men can't get pregnant, contrary to stupid belief nowadays, but I won't go there, but come on, somebody. But there was something in me that said, I want to touch God. I just want to experience God in the room. I want to, I want to feel his presence, and I want that, oh, there's anointing oil. Man, I had anointing oil everywhere, man. I had my own, I, where's, get the olive oil. Put some frankincense in there. I want to smell it. Hallelujah. And I had a little altar in my room, man. And we, all right, who wants a fresh oil? Who wants fresh anointing? Everybody wants fresh anointing. And we, my friends would come up. I'd lay hands on them. Bam, they fall out under the power of God. I didn't push them. I didn't, I'm like, whoa, it works. <laughs> I felt the power of God on my hands. My hands are tingling. I'm like, this is crazy, bro. This is so much better than smoking weed and doing stupid stuff. Because I don't feel dirty. I don't feel... Like, I'm not doing what I'm created for. I'm like, this is the life, man. I'm, I met Jesus, and I'll never be the same. But even in all that fun, I complicated my Christianity with, well, it, the reason it was so anointed is because I wrote Mizbah, the altar in Hebrew. That's not why. The reason why God met me there is just because I believed he actually wanted to meet me there. And it wasn't about the altar. It wasn't about the anointing oil. It wasn't about having an altar call and laying hands on people so they fall over and feeling anointed. It wasn't about any of that. It was about God meeting with us. It was about God meeting with you and I. And just like Thomas and Philip, we can overcomplicate things with our analytical spirit, critical spirit, scientific spirit, structured spirit, or like Philip, we can overcomplicate things with creative creativity or whatever it is, or the reality that Jesus had just said, from now on you know him and have seen him. And then he's like, show us the Father. Like, are you even listening? Sometimes we're so out there in our minds that we miss the simplicity of the words of Jesus. That Jesus just said, You've seen the Father. I feel like sometimes as believers and even mature believers, and I'll, I'll say that this applies even to my own life, sometimes, and I don't say this in a way where I'm discounting 
God's hand upon my life and what I've experienced and the revelations of his love. But sometimes I feel like as Christians, we don't know the Father. We complicate it. We make it about so many other things. But it's about Jesus revealing the heart of his Father. He is the way. He's heaven on earth. And he wants to meet with us at our altars, our man-made little altars. He, he wants to meet with us even in our dumb religion, even in the, the striving, even in the complicating. And all of it, remember, it's about meeting with God. And in John 14, it's this beautiful picture. Jesus is like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that wasn't just about going to heaven. It was about, I'm the way to the Father. I'm the way to the Father. And then he goes on. He says to Philip, verse 9, I have been with you so long, and you haven't known me. Philip, you have not known me, Philip. He says, he who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And we know that Jesus and the Father are not the same person. They, they, they share the oneness, the same divine essence, right? This is the Trinitarian understanding of who God is, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, three distinct persons, one divine essence, right? Three in who they are, one in what they are. But Jesus says, like, I'm one with the Father, and if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So beautiful. Verse 10, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? That's perichoresis language. Oneness without the loss of distinction. The words that I speak to, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Isn't that amazing how Jesus just, he expresses this utter dependence and surrender to the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. See, he didn't complicate it. The main thing was the main thing. It was about his relationship with his Father. And in order to know the Father, and remember not to complicate things, we've got to know who Jesus is, and Jesus reveals our the Father. Only Jesus reveals who the Father is. He's actually the only one who knows the Father. This is what the, the Scripture says. No one knows the Father like Jesus does. And the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit have been hanging out for, from all of eternity. And Jesus wants us to know, as he reveals the heart of the Father, that he's brought us in himself to the same place where he is seated with God. And this place is an intimate place. It's a place that is face-to-face -face with the Father. John 17, 3, and this is eternal life, that, you, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He says, this is eternal life, to have a mansion in heaven and live forever. This is eternal life, if you're Mormon, to have a planet, a bunch of virgins. <laughs> or if you're Muslim, right? No, th this is eternal life. It's not about a bunch of stuff. It's a wonder that's, that's not only our eschatology, but it's also what we try to make Christianity and life about now. And I'm not saying the Lord doesn't want to bless us with things. There's scriptures that say if you forsake all, he's going to give you more. He's going to give you land, houses. Come on, how many know the Lord provides abundantly? But it's not about stuff. It's not about having stuff. 
and not even material. It's not about having, well, I have to have gifts and anointings and, you know, I've got to walk in my destiny and everything. We're so self-absorbed. No, eternal life, heaven, our eschatology, it's not about having a mansion and living forever and not dying. It's about knowing the Father and the Son forever. So let's start it now. Let's not complicate our Christianity and let's make it about Him. I remember those moments as a young believer with the altar in my room and I remember the hunger in my heart. And sometimes the Lord will say, you know, that hunger has been dumbed down through the way you've complicated things. I want you to just make the main thing the main thing. And it's about meeting me. It's about encountering me. And when we worship on a Sunday morning or whether we're gathering on a Wednesday, like this Wednesday we have the chapel, I encourage you, come, let's just worship, see what happens. Um, when we come, we come to meet with God. We come to encounter Him together because that's what it's about. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus goes on and He's like, believe that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And he says, eternal life is knowing the Father and knowing me. Romans chapter 8, you know, this is one of the beautiful things when we get to know the Father and, and we get to know who God really is, who God really is. He's not that mean ogre monster that has been uh, really pictured because of the own pain and shame and sin and fallenness that we have in our souls that Jesus has healed, right? But that image of God, that's not who God is. The Father is a loving Father, and it's that kindness of God that has led us to repentance, to rethink who God is, to metanoia is the Greek word, to change the way we think about God. Now, how many know when that happens, now we begin to see ourselves differently because we see ourselves as sons and daughters of the living God. And when we see ourselves as sons and daughters of the living God, we realize that Jesus, when he's saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, now don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. He's saying, I'm heaven on earth. Well, guess what? Now he says, now you're heaven on earth. Now you're the tabernacle. Now I want you to reveal who the Father is. But when we know who we are, it's not just about, well, now I'm, I, I won't have any struggles. I can be free from sin. I can walk in health and prosperity. And all that's wonderful. But what it's really about is when you know who you are, you know your identity, and you know the grace of God supernaturally causes you to rise up in life. It's not just so you can walk free from sin and abstain from the flesh. That's great. It's also so you can overcome any obstacle in your life. It's so you know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You know that in this world, yes, we'll have tribulation. In this world, yes, people do die. In this world, yes, there are casualties of war. But Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. You see, when you know who you are, you know that there's a spirit of an overcomer inside of you. You know truly, not just because it's a regurgitated Pentecostal declaration, but you know that I'm the head and not the tail. Come on. I'm above only and not beneath. Come on. I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. Why? Because you know who you are, because you know the Father. When you know the Father, when you uncomplicate your Christianity, you simply come to Jesus and Jesus reveals the kindness and the love of his Papa. And you know, I'm a beloved son. And stuff happens in life and you can overcome any obstacle in life. Tribulation and trial. 
You have an overcoming spirit. Something comes alive on the inside of you. And can you imagine the early church being persecuted? People just dying left and right. Saints, Peter, James, John's the one who outlived them all. All these people dying. The, the church, anytime the early church was persecuted, it grew. It's like the enemy tries to kill the seed. Oh, that's what has to happen. The seed dies and bears fruit. That's what they tried to do to Jesus. Had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. Try to kill the seed. Watch what happens. Saints dying of cancer. Guess what? Healing revival's coming. It's not God's heart or will. Does it move your faith? Not one bit. Not at all. It grieves my heart. But it doesn't move my faith. The same day I see the, the horrible, grieving news that Benny Johnson, Bill Johnson's wife, died. She passed on to glory. And I love what Bill said. He said, she's healthy and free. So beautiful. Are you thankful for that? Come on. Does it move your faith? No. Is it God's will? No. There's a lot of things that happen that aren't God's will. Well, what does it affect how you think about healing? It doesn't. Yeah, but Bethel walks in healings. Yes, praise God. It's probably one of the reasons like they're facing stuff. I don't know. Like, I don't have to have all the answers. I just got to keep looking at Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The same day I found out about this precious saint that my wife and I actually had the honor of sitting next to them at a pastor's conference, 25 people, and Benny Johnson was the most kind sweetest relational person. My wife and her talked for probably 30 minutes. We got to sit next to Bill Johnson. You know, to this day, I still, it's, if I name drop, oh yeah, I sat next to him at a pastor's lunch. Praise God. The same day I found out this news, I get a text from uh, a spiritual mama in my life who was diagnosed with cancer about a year ago. She sent me the doctor's report from when they diagnosed her and when they found no cancer. Because Jesus is the healer. Why does it not happen sometimes? It doesn't matter. What matters is when it does, we rejoice and thank God for his kindness and his goodness. I think we need to learn how to receive it more. And I think it should be increasing our authority. And this is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to be closing with this. For I, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Oh, I'm preaching to myself right now. For the earnest expectation of even the creation around eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. It's time to be sons and daughters to reveal the glory of the Father. How do we do that? Uncomplicate our Christianity, get back to Jesus. Let's just get back to Jesus. When you don't know what to pray, just say Jesus. When you don't know what else to say, man, all hell's breaking loose. Well, I know that Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail, so I'm just going to say Jesus. Jesus. The holy lamb that was slain. The Bible says that 
every principality and power has been disarmed and made a public spectacle through the, through the cross, through Jesus. Let's get back to Jesus, church. I'm just pouring my heart out to you today and I felt like I had this word in my spirit a couple weeks ago and I've been just kind of marinating in it. A couple of the verses I'll read to you real quick. Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness to people, but the Lord will arise. That's a big but right there in the Bible. Come on, somebody. But, because there is going to be darkness, and it even says a deep darkness, but the Lord will arise over you. His glory will be seen upon you. Even the world will come to your lighting. Kings, to the brightness of your rising. What a promise. John 17, 3, after Jesus says, eternal life is knowing the Father and the Son. Towards the end, he's praying for believers in the high priestly prayer of Jesus. I love this, verse 22 of John 17. For the very glory you've given me, I've given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. That's Trinitarian love that we experience in community and relationship and family. So powerful. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you've sent me. They will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. Father, I ask you to allow everyone you've given to me to be with me where I am. Remember he said that in John 14. And you're going to be where, where I am. Where's that? He says, then they will see my glory. The very splendor you've placed upon me because you've loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father. But the unbelieving world has not known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you've sent me. Last verse here in the high priestly prayer. I have revealed to them who you are. And I will continue to make you even more real to them. So that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. The beginning of the Gospel of John. John reveals to us who Jesus is. The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word with is not side by side. Like the Father's on a throne. Then there's a smaller throne and Jesus is next to Him. The Word with is pros. And it means turn toward. It means face to face. Here's what you need to know. That as we look to Jesus and we realize that He has brought us and reconciled us to God, we now also have been brought into a face-to-face relationship with the Father, with Papa. We can say it, Abba, even if we never had an Abba. We can say Papa with tender affection. It's the Spirit of God where we cry out, Abba. And when we know that love, we know who we are. And we're overcomers. And we're the church of the living God that reveals Jesus to a broken world. Not a complicated Christianity that convolutes cultural, societal problems and the answers, but we know the heart and the reign of Jesus and his kingdom reign, and it covers the earth and it flows through the people of God. Are you all ready to get back and simplify our Christianity and get back to Jesus?
Let's pray together before I dismiss you. Would you stand up with me and lift your hands to the Lord right now? I don't know about you, man, but I feel the presence of the Lord. And I just, I want to pray that even in the midst of the things that I did as a young believer that kind of complicated things, and it, it was still about meeting with God. It was still about that hunger. Let's get that hunger burning in our hearts again just to meet with the Lord. Let's uncomplicate things. Let's not allow uh, criticism or, you know, overanalyzing and overthinking things to hinder us from seeing the revelation of the Father right in front of us. From seeing, here's what happens. Sometimes we get so critical and so complicated, we're not seeing what the Father's doing right in front of our eyes. And we, we end up criticizing what's happening in front of us when it's actually the Father that's doing it. All we see is the dirt. We don't see the gold because we've complicated it. Come on, somebody. Father, give us eyes to see. Open our eyes. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We come back to Jesus. If you want to come back to Jesus, I just want you, I'm going to dismiss those that want to be dismissed, but I just want, and I don't care if you've been saved 40,000 years, 49 years, or four months, it doesn't matter. If you just want to simplify and just say the name of Jesus, I want you to quickly just run up to this altar, would you? Just come and, and bow before him. And as you come, I pray his love, Sarah, would just burn right now. I actually saw you coming up, and I love that about you. Like, you're the first one. You don't care what anybody thinks. You're not backslidden. You just love God, man. You just love Jesus. You're just hungry. Come, come, turn, turn to him. Love him. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Craig, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. But why does he love me, Zach? Because he just loves you. Because he's love. Because he is a consuming fire. Come and let's burn together. Let's worship together. Let's encounter him. Let's uncomplicate Christianity. Let's say, God, we just want to know your heart. We want to know who you are. We want your love to unravel us and unravel the lies and unravel the complication and the criticism, all the stuff. God, we want to be undone. We come, we come, we come humbly. We come reverently. We come crying, Abba. If there's anyone else, feel free to come up here. We're going to just soak in this moment and worship together. And I'll dismiss anyone else that wants to be dismissed in just a moment. But I, I want to ask you to just quietly pray. Would you just pray with me? Maybe you're giving your heart to the Lord for the first time. Just say, Jesus, I'm yours. I pray that God would mark you and brand your heart right now. Holy moments. Holy moments. In the name of the Lord Jesus, Lord, we thank you for the, the love of the Father. We thank you for the love of the Father. I want to ask our prayer team to just be sensitive. Maybe move around and start praying over some of the people that are up here. Only if the Lord tells you to. You don't have to lay hands on everybody, but maybe there's specific people. Sometimes you just let God do what he's doing, you know, you don't touch it. But prayer team, would you just go now and, and begin to release, release what God's doing, even if stand quietly behind people and pray. Father, thank you. We're going to take some time and just kind of marinate in this. And if, if you want prayer, you can come down. 
If not, you may be dismissed. We love you, honey. When you, you want to come up, I don't want to interrupt what the Lord's doing in you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. One more time, would you just lift your hands before she dismisses us? And if you're at the altar, just receive, just receive, Lord. Thank you. Holy Spirit, we don't want to grieve you. Make us sensitive to you. We love your presence. We love what you're doing. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.